Hey everyone, this is Brainy Potter speaking and welcome to episode number three of the Flow Insider Podcast. During the first months of coronavirus and the global pandemic, a new photography trend has emerged, which I hope continues to evolve as it is a beautiful alternative way of creating art and recording life moments. If you haven't guessed it yet, I'm talking about FaceTime photography. Many of you have seen examples in galleries of these slightly blurry yet very mesmerizing and intriguing photos taken remotely with the phone via FaceTime or Skype. Some of you have tried it with friends or clients, while others remain curious and wondering what FaceTime photography is all about and how to give it a try. We actually reached out to the person who got it all started and made it so popular. His name is Tim Dunk. He's a wedding photographer based in the UK, and he'll tell you everything you wanted to know about FaceTime photography, from process to settings to pricing and how to sell this service to clients. Join us for this fun episode. You're listening to Floy Insider, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs who want a fresh perspective on business, communication, and art. Hi, this is Brandy Potter with the Flow Insider Podcast. Today I'm talking with Tim Dunk. You might recognize his name from the recent FaceTime sessions. Um, Tim, why don't you go ahead and introduce us to your work and yourself? Hi, Brandy. Great to talk to you. Great to be here today. Uh, so I'm Tim. I'm in the UK in Leeds, and I've been a wedding photographer for quite a while now. Good. <laughs> I've not really kept track. Some some years, I guess. And um, I, I I guess I I won the Rangefinder Rising Stars thing in twenty eighteen, which was pretty cool. Um, it was cool. Yeah. Um, and that yeah. Uh, so recently. Um, well, God, it's all just gone to shit, hasn't it? Yeah, it kind of has. Um, so recently I've not been doing very much apart from I decided to start shooting through FaceTime and that's gone super well and been loads of fun. Um, it's really taken off and kept me really very busy, which is a blessing. So how many sessions a week are you doing now? Uh, like 40, 50 sessions a week. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I did like 15 one day. I was kind of broken by the end of it. Do you ever sleep? Hmm? Do I ever sleep? Yeah, because you've been shooting FaceTime sessions for people all over the world. When do you sleep? Uh, I I find little bits of time in, here and there. Like no, I've I've done um, the odd session in like Australia or whatever, which has meant staying up way past my bedtime. But they are that's not every day, fortunately. So so most days I kind of I do manage to get a decent amount of time off between um, finishing and starting again in the morning. It's kind of works out well with the with the time difference. It means that I can kind of be shooting in the UK when the light is good and then go and make me dinner and chill out for a bit and then get to shoot in the US when the light is good. So it works out really nicely. So how did you get started with the FaceTime sessions? 
as a as a joke, definitely just completely as a joke. I was bored out of my mind and best name for life started jokes. Yeah. So I was missing missing my friends and missing being creative and it was just kind of getting to me and I just wrote on Facebook like, Hey, who wants a FaceTime photo shoot? Like um, yeah, like almost joking, and uh, a couple of friends kind of said, "All right, that sounds like fun," and so we did it, and it was loads of fun, and the pictures were kind of so much higher quality than than I had expected going into it. I only really realised that taking photos through FaceTime was an option because I'd been FaceTiming my daughter, and it was popping up on my screen saying that she was taking photos of me. And I was like, how, how are you doing that? Um, and then, yeah, discovered that there's a little button on the screen that rather than being a screenshot, it actually takes a photograph or, well, it takes a, a three-second video with the other person's phone, then uploads it to iCloud, and then it downloads from iCloud into your photo stream. Um, and it's just crazy. It's like some weird ghost of Steve Jobs magic voodoo I, stuff. Yeah, I didn't realize that either until you started doing FaceTime sessions. Um, that there was that button there. Yeah, it's crazy. How? I mean, they're like super yeah. low res files, so they're not they're not nearly as high resolution as a regular iPhone photograph because. Yeah, I think we all know that like the shots that you can take on your iPhone are incredible, and the resolution's mad. But uh, these are like kind of stills from a video. They're like little grabs out of the, the video, so the resolution's a lot lower. So, as far as you know, were you the first to try the FaceTime sessions? Uh, so I. I'm not going to claim to be like the first person that's ever taken photographs through yeah. the internet. Like I, I, I wouldn't say that that was likely, but it wasn't something that I'd seen somebody else doing and got inspiration from somebody else. It was certainly something that kind of happened quite organically, I guess would be a, a word. Um, yeah. I just like, like I say, I just thought it'd be a fun thing to do and it was, and then it kind of, from there, just kind of took off. Like it really fits well with with the f- photography that I enjoy making. It's kind of connecting with people, finding the light, getting a bit creative and a bit weird, and trying to make some cool. You were stuff. definitely the first person I saw that was doing them. Um, that's why I yeah. wanted you to do mine. Yeah. That was so cool. Um, Obviously, like I've seen your name and we've been Facebook friends, and but being on the other side of the big ocean thing, um, obviously, I'd never met you, so it was super cool to kind of uh, get to spend a little bit of time hanging out with you and making some weird pictures of you in the bath with your dog, and yeah, it, it was cool to meet Seth as well. So what challenges have you been facing with the FaceTime sessions? Uh, like technically, 
um, sometimes people's phones aren't set up quite right to do it, so you kind of have to talk them through what settings they need to have on and things. I've got like a text checklist on my how-to post on my website that kind of talks through what settings people need to have on their phone. Um, so, so, yes, some, like I send out in an email uh, what settings people need to make sure are on and nobody ever reads that, I don't think. So, like, quite often the first few minutes is kind of talking people through setting the phone up correctly. Um, the other big, bad, horrible one is sometimes you'll get like the first few images through from a session, but if their internet isn't quite up to it, then it just gives up and stops sending them. And when you see that happening, now, then that's kind of okay. But I've definitely shot a couple of sessions and got to the end of the session and thought that I'd taken some wonderful photographs and then they just didn't exist anywhere kind of got lost in the ether so from that I've started having FaceTime open in one window on my MacBook and the photos are open in another window and I literally watch them come through kind of as I'm taking them there's always like a bit of a lag but if they've not come through within 30 seconds then I start to worry and talk to them about what we can do to improve their internet connection actually sometimes actually going onto the data rather than the wi-fi kind of helps with that when that happens how do you fix the issue um sometimes it's like sending them back closer to the to the router sometimes it's switching from data to wi-fi or wi-fi to data um, some shoots I've, I've had to go back and just reshoot. I shot an absolutely incredible session with Kelly in Oregon on her farm in a, in a greenhouse that was empty and uh, most of the photos just didn't save. So I just messaged her and I was like, Kelly, same time tomorrow, please. Exactly the same time of day because the light was perfect. Don't really care what other plans you have. <laughs> We're going to do it again <laughs> because, like, and obviously, second time round, you're both kind of into the swing of things a little bit more, and the pictures that we got second time round were even better. So it was. It actually ended up being like a good thing that that the first session had disappeared somewhere. Although I was, yeah, I was pretty heartbroken <laughs> when I realised. It's like getting a roll of film back from the lab and and it, and there not being anything on uh, it. That happened to me recently. I knew it was a possibility yeah. and it was still very sad. Um, yeah, it's back. the worst feeling. Or when a card corrupts or you just lose any photo. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Just losing photos is like the most the, sickening. The thing worst thing in the world. But... As I say, you know, the, the the fun thing about this is the shoots are just for fun and it's super easy to just go back and, and try again. Yeah. So I read your tutorial before I did mine. Yes. 
um, the first, because I've done a few now, but I don't want it to be yeah. like a huge thing. So has the tutorial changed anything with the demand for you, or are you still shooting just as much? Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm still shooting just as much. I feel like there are definitely lots of other people offering a similar service now, but not so much that like the marketplace is flooded by any means. I think kind of everybody that's doing it is finding that there's just so many people up, up for the, the idea. It's just a really fun idea. It's something different to do. And I think people are, are pretty starved of like new experiences at the moment. So to kind of have a, a record of this time and have a reason to put on pants and kind of just do something different for half an hour. Um, I think people are really, just really kind of into the idea. Um, so I think there's there's plenty of willing subjects for there to be lots of photographers doing this. I know for mine, it it really gave me something to look forward to. Even though I hate photos of myself, I really enjoyed getting to see you be creative and to shoot something again um yeah i think it's really fun to kind of just see your house through somebody else's eyes and see how somebody else sees the light and what interests like a, another person about your home which is obviously like super kind of normal and and everyday to you. Um, like, it's funny, people quite often kind of come into the shoot with, with a, a preconceived idea of where's going to be a, a nice place to take a photograph. And it's like never, <laughs> it's never where I think it's going to be a nice place to take a photograph because they're looking at, a piece of furniture or some nice wallpaper or whatever. And it's, it's not where the light is. And, you know, with any photography, like the light is the most important thing, but particularly when you're working with kind of limited technology, it's really important to get, to get the light just right and, and everything else kind of follows on from that. I feel like that's the same thing for like normal shooting too. People always think that a different setting is going to be better or bright light good for exactly. photos. Um, it's the same type of concept. Um, so are you educating people going into this that aren't photographers about light? Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess um, people will co come out of it with, yeah, pe people have said, like, God, I would, would never have thought to take pictures here, but actually the light is great. Uh, I shot a couple <laughs> shot a couple the other day, who um, on Saturday, actually, who was supposed to get married on Saturday and obviously um, weren't able to do that. And I ended up with them sitting in the kitchen sink because that's where the light was. Like, and it wasn't even like, a, oh, wouldn't it be funny to put you in the kitchen sink kind of thing. It was just like, that's where the good light is. Sorry about this, guys. I'm going to have to ask you to get in your sink. Um, 
so yeah, and they were like, well, you know, now we know. If we ever need nice pictures of ourselves, we just get in the sink. Has this changed your editing style at all, considering the files aren't high res? I mean, yeah, like I, I absolutely edit them way differently to how I uh, edit files from my pro- proper camera, inverted commas. Um, yeah, it, like, you know, they're crappy low-res JPEGs and they're soft and they kind of have that digital crunchiness to them that needs rounding off a little bit. Slap a bit of grain over the top helps with that. Yeah. Kind of maybe maybe drop the texture slider a little bit in Lightroom. Um, and just also kind of feel a little bit of freedom to get a little bit funky with the colours, which I wouldn't normally do in my regular work to the same extent. I kind of like to try and keep colours quite true to life in in my everyday work. So, yeah, it's definitely kind of gives you a little bit of freedom to get a little bit weirder with things. Are you a perfectionist in your normal work? I wouldn't say... So, I mean, like, I I have, I, you know, I have standards yeah. and I have things that I'm trying to achieve and I know when I've achieved the things that I'm trying to achieve and when I haven't. But kind of from a technical point of view, um, you know, I'm absolutely more interested in the emotion of a shot than everything being pin sharp or anything like that. So maybe not a perfectionist in that way. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I have like high standards of achieving what I want to achieve from a shot. Do you think your standards have changed at all since starting FaceTime sessions? Um, especially when we go back to like normal shooting. No, I'm going to say no. Like I, with the FaceTime sessions, I'm trying to get the best picture that I can get with what I have. With the, like, with the means available. Um, and again, that's not necessarily about getting a technically... Well, a, a technically great photo isn't really an option with this. It, it's, it's just kind of doing the best you can and getting some creativity in and getting some good light in and getting some connection with the subject. And that's kind of just the same as my regular photography work. So in that sense, no. I think it's probably honed my light-seeking senses a little bit. I mean, you know, I think all photographers like to think that they're pretty good at that anyway, but over, God, like 260-plus FaceTime sessions... It's definitely improved my communication skills. I've got really good at remembering that left and right are the other way around for the other person. I'm now yeah. like, I, I don't even have to think about it. I'm like, hey, take a step to your left instead of like looking at myself and thinking where my left is. And yeah, so communication skills um, are definitely a large part of shooting this way. It can be 
really frustrating watching somebody not understand kind of where you want the camera to be and how you want it turning. And I think general photography for me is like 90% people skills and 10% camera skills. And FaceTime photography for me is like 90% patience and just not going, oh, for the love of God, can you just please understand what I'm trying to say? Um, and just watching people um, kind of, I, I don't even, some, yeah, you're like, no, now I'm just looking into the corner, like, and you're the other, and the, no. Um, and yeah, like, I have a, a trick that I use to get people's phones solid. Um, so I just, the first thing I say to people when they answer the phone is just go grab a can of beans and a hair tie and just strap the phone to the can of beans with the hair tie. And then you can set the, the beans down anywhere and the phone's not going to fall over. And to me, that's a fairly simple concept. <laughs> but it's not all, it doesn't always, you know, sometimes it takes me a little while. Sometimes I had a shoot with, with a, a girl in Ecuador and my Spanish skills just weren't up to it. So I had to write out my instructions, put them into Google Translate, copy and paste the translation and text it to her. Um, so yeah, now I've got written down somewhere the instructions for how to tie a tin of beans to a phone with a hair tie in Spanish, which is useful information. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, it had to have been frustrating to an extent, having to do all the extra work. Yeah, but it's cool. It's fun. And, you know, it's part of kind of the silliness of it and the strangeness of the whole thing is part of what relaxes people into it. And it's part of what makes it easier to take photographs of people who maybe don't like to be photographed. And it's, it's just a super fun way of working. And the, the silliness of it is kind of a key part of that, I think. <clears throat> Has this brought you any new work? Yes. Um, yeah, quite a lot, actually. I mean, apart from the fact that I've been shooting, yeah, as I said, like 250, 260 plus uh, sessions for just all kinds of people, really. It's got me kind of in contact with some really interesting people from like musicians and artists and creative directors and um, it's got me some really cool um, commercial jobs. So I've been shooting um, for various companies as kind of part of either external marketing campaigns or internal projects. And honestly, like, it's probably, what month is it now? May. It's probably been the most profitable April and May that I've ever had, which... It's kind of wild because certainly like over here, the government assistance for businesses that are set up the way mine is, is non-existent. 
So it was pretty scary for a little while um, with everybody postponing their weddings, obviously. Um, and knowing that yeah. I wasn't going to get any help or support from the government whatsoever. So the fact that I've been able, kind of not through hustle or opportunism, just through kind of making the work that I wanted to make for fun and then realising that enough people were sufficiently interested in it that I could probably make some money from it as well. Um, it's been kind of great. So do you think you'll continue to do FaceTime sessions once we go back to normal life? I think that's a really interesting question. And it's something that I've thought about a lot. And it's a funny one. Like, I just, I don't know if there's going to be any demand for them once things kind of go, well, you know, I think it's going to be a very slow return to normal. Yeah, the new normal yeah. once we're... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I honestly don't know. If the demand's still there, then I will still be shooting them because I enjoy them. I will have to start charging something more in line with my regular kind of hourly rate because it'll you know, be taking up time that I could be spending doing regular photography for a regular photography rate. Um, so, you know, it's been quite easy to do, do these for not very much money at all because it's a kind of steady stream and, you know, like I'm not leaving, not leaving the house. I'm not really spending very much at the moment. I don't know how that's been for you, but definitely spending less than than I would normally do. Oh, definitely. Um, actually, being able to pay down bills during quarantine, which is very yeah. nice, um, in the circumstances. Are you still donating some of your profits? Yes, yeah, for sure. So um, I'm donating uh, 20% of every shoe goes to a, a UK food bank charity. Uh, I think, obviously, um, you know, t this has been a really difficult time for a lot of people. And I think the, the work that the trust, trust do is super important and now more than ever. So it's been really nice to be able to kind of contribute to their work. I started out just doing the sessions absolutely just for fun and saying to people, it would be really, really great if you wanted to make a small donation to the Trussell Trust. Um, you know, if, if you enjoy the shoot and, and it's a good, good thing, then if you can make a donation, then great. And then after a while, I realised that I was kind of spending 50, 60 hours a week um, doing these shoots and not making any money anywhere else so I started to charge just £50 for a half hour shoot and uh, give £10 of that to the charity and it doesn't take you very long to edit either yeah god like the there just isn't that much to do to the files there isn't that much you can yeah. do to the files like it's you know like like anything you you build a preset or two or three and then see which one works for each image 
and on to the next, really. It's not, you know, culling doesn't take long. The files are minuscule, so you can just tear through them. So, yeah, God, no, I'd like, I never spend more than 20 minutes editing a half-hour shoot. So 50 pounds for an hour, yeah. hour's worth of work. It's pretty good. Like, I was... People people have said like oh you you know you could probably probably charge more than that, and I just thought I want it to be accessible. I want people to be able to do it. I don't want it to feel. I don't want people to feel like oh I wish I could do that, but you know money's obviously a bit of a difficult subject for a lot of people at the moment. And fifty pounds an hour, even if I'm giving ten pounds of that away is still more than, you know, more than a lot of people who are working a lot harder than I am are getting at the moment. Do you have any advice for people on how to price for these types uh, of sessions? Just, God, just do what feels right for you, like like any pricing. Um, I've, I've chosen to make them affordable. Um, and as a result of that, I've been shooting a crazy amount. And that may or may not work for you. So you find... Like, it's the same with any pricing, really. You decide how much work you want to do and how much money you, you want to make and figure it out from that. Do you have any advice for photographers that haven't tried to do a FaceTime session yet? Just give it a go. Like, what do you have to lose? I, I have a guide on my website. Go read it. Realize that it's super easy and straightforward and fun. It really is. Um, I really enjoyed doing the few that I did. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, four times a charm for this. So that's perfect. Uh, where can people follow your work? Timdunk.com. That's dunk with a K. Uh, Tim underscore dunk on Instagram. And my FaceTime portraits are at facetimportraits on Instagram because it's hilarious. It's very clever. It's very, I I didn't even realize yeah. that when I followed your account that it was Tim. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. Like I am a dad and the dad jokes come out sometimes. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it, the best dad joke. Thank you so much again. Um, everyone should hit up Tim for a session if you haven't had one done. Um, they're a lot of fun. It's definitely interesting to be on that side of the screen. And thank you again for listening. This has been Flow Insider. You're listening to Flow Insider, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs who want a fresh perspective on business, communication, and art. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Tim Dunk. If you found any ideas in today's episode that are inspiring, fascinating, or worth sharing, and you can think of a person who would enjoy this episode, please share it with them. Flow Insider is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs who want a fresh perspective on business, communication, art, design, branding, and life as we know it. We share stories, challenge mindsets, and look for ways to redefine success within the creative industry. Flow Insider is powered by Flow Themes and I've been your host today, Brandy Potter. See you in the next episode.